0: Blue With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. The- Stafford stepping up, going left side, watch Calvin, handsome, got him, oh baby, that was a rocket! And it's picked off, intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him, touchdown Lions. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Indeed and by Bet Online. <sighs> I hope that didn't hurt your ears. I just kind of am in a situation of I'm not even sure what to say anymore. Really not. The Lions lost to the Minnesota Vikings 34-20. to It's the fifth straight time all games that Matt Patricia has played against the Vikings in his tenure as the Lions head coach, where he has lost by double digits. It's the ninth straight game the Lions have lost against an NFC North opponent. Detroit's run defense was abysmal. Its pass defense was atrocious. Its offense was inconsistent. Its special teams was fantastic, actually, for the most part, except for Matt Prater missing a field goal. But too often, this is just the same thing. It feels like, and I tweeted this after the game, rinse, wash, repeat from almost every week. And I was referring to Matt Patricia... Saying after the game, quote, it's on everybody, we got to coach better, we got to play better, end quote. And frankly, you could probably take that from any post-game press conference over any of the 40 games he's coached with the Detroit Lions or close to it and been able to find that, quote, somewhere. It's just not going well for him. It hasn't gone well for him really since the start. Frankly, to me, and this is a bit weird for me to say because I feel like we've hit this point a few different times now. Sunday really felt like one of the lower points in the Matt Patricia era because the Vikings, even though I don't think they're a terrible team, they were still two and five. The Vikings' defense was not the same Vikings defense that the Lions are used to seeing. And yet, it kind of didn't matter. Because the Lions couldn't stop Minnesota's offense. Because Minnesota's offense, as we're talking about rinse, wash, repeat, did the same exact thing that we have seen over and over again against Matt Patricia's defenses whenever the Vikings have played them. It's what the Vikings do. They run with Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins will play action you over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. If you listen to the podcast on Friday with Courtney Cronin, we talked about very simply those two things. That's what Kirk Cousins does well. That's what Dalvin Cook does well. And guess what? The Lions knew that. If for some reason they didn't know that, that's terrible coaching. But I'm sure they did know that because they've seen Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins play before. Kirk Cousins has done this to them over and over again. And Kirk Cousins did it all game long. All game long. Kirk Cousins had a perfect passer rating in the first half. This isn't Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. This isn't Tom Brady we're talking about. This isn't Drew Brees we're talking about. This isn't Russell Wilson we're talking about. This is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, who is a very average, maybe above average NFL quarterback. And Matt Patricia, as he's done over and over again with his defenses, has just made Kirk Cousins look like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL whenever he plays the Lions. Now, sure, some of that is because maybe they're concerned about Dalvin Cook, and they should be concerned about Dalvin Cook. But they also shouldn't sell out on the run enough where Kirk Cousins' play action is just easy all the time. Because that's essentially what happened. Other than when there was a corner blitz, which Desmond Trufant got credit for blitzing there and got a sack. Desmond Trufant actually one of the Lions who I thought played okay here on Sunday. But it didn't matter anyway because Delvin Cook, they couldn't tackle him. 22 carries, 206 yards, 9.4 yards per carry from Cook. Two touchdowns, and oh yeah, they basically pulled him in the fourth quarter. Alexander Madison, 12 carries, 69 yards, 5.8 yards a carry. And if they wanted to really rub it in and leave Cook in and not worry about his workload, Cook could have probably had 250. Easy. Easy. That's where the Lions are on defense right now. And it's not like Minnesota is this great football team. Again, they're three and five. They're holding on barely to hopes for a playoff berth, much like the Lions are. But these two teams, if you watch them on Sunday, seem to be heading in much different directions. Minnesota started off really bad, and they feel like maybe they found something a little bit. The Lions just, whew, just looked Really, really bad again. And it's not just the defense, although the defense will take the brunt of this and Matt Patricia will take the brunt of it, as frankly he should. But it was the offense too. Just too often the offense wasn't making plays. Receivers dropped passes. DeAndre Swift dropped an easy one. Danny Amendola dropped one that hit him basically right in the hands. Matthew Stafford looked Sometimes good, sometimes bad. He completed 71.9% of his passes, but he barely took any shots down the field. Now, he was asked about that after the game, and he basically said they wanted to do that, but Minnesota played too high, and, and that means both safeties were high, and that basically took away the deep shots, so he had to take what he could get, which was settling for the underneath stuff. And... You know, I mean, I guess I get it, but at some point, shouldn't you be dictating or trying to dictate to make the defense scramble? And it just didn't feel like the Lions were really doing that. Again, 71.9% of his passes, but he only threw 6.6 yards per attempt. was sacked twice, one touchdown, two interceptions, neither one of them particularly good. One he threw right at a linebacker. The other one it looked like he forced a TJ Hawkinson in the end zone. And obviously, those are drive killers, and those were very damning for the Lions because they came on back-to-back possessions in the third quarter, and basically, at that point, that kind of allowed the Vikings to kind of salt away the game a little bit. So that did nef- definitely did not help. Then, obviously, Matthew Stafford got tested for a concussion. He cleared concussion protocol, so that's good news for him. But Chase Daniel came in, and even though Chase Daniel prepared, like, the starter all week, you're pulling a guy off the bench, cold, hasn't taken a snap all season in a game because there were no preseason games, and asking him to try and lead your team back, that's just not fair. This was just a mess for the Lions. It just was, and... I asked Matt Patricia after the game, and then after this, we'll go to a break, and we'll get into it more after. I asked him after the game where from week one to week eight, because now they're in mid season and we're going to hit on that a little bit throughout the week, some season stuff. I basically asked him pretty simply, where has this team improved? Where have they not from week one to now? And here was Matt Patricia's full answer. Quote, I think we talk a lot about consistency, and obviously that's one thing that has not been good enough. I think some guys have individually have definitely improved and have definitely gotten better. It was real good to get Austin Bryant out there tonight. That was good. Thought he played well, but we'll look at the tape, and obviously Trufant back out on the field. So that was good, but in those areas, obviously you play a game like we did today. You know there's not a lot of things that look like we improved on. You know, obviously the punt rush, I thought that was good for another week in a row. So that was consistent. But overall, all of it just has to be more consistent so that it works together and not one phase here and one phase there. But that's been the problem throughout Matt Patricia's tenure is it's never other than one game here or one game there been more than one phase here or one phase there. And they actually got a really good phase today from... There were special teams because they had two blocked punts. First time since 2014 when Minnesota did it to Carolina that there were two blocked punts in a game by a single team. First time since 2014 again where a team had blocked, ba- ba- blocked punts or had blocked punts, rather, in back-to-back games. Great effort from their special teams. Braden Combs should get lauded for the job he's done on their special teams, with the exception of whatever is going on with Matt Prater. Because Matt Prater missed another field goal, and it was way off. But he ended up redeeming himself later, making a couple of field goals. But still, other than that, what did you get out of your team today? Not a ton. Not a ton on offense. Not a ton on defense. You, you weren't really able to convert the block punts into anything. They did get a touchdown late but that's because they blocked it and, frankly, should have maybe scored on that block punt. But they got the ball on the two-yard line, so they were, it was easy for Chase Daniel to punch it in. But other than that, what'd you get? You got nothing out of it. And that's that's not going to win your football games. And as we've seen throughout Matt Patricia's tenure, they're not winning football games nearly enough. We'll be back right after this with more on the Lions' 34-20 loss to Minnesota, right here on the Michael Rothstein Show. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people Fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier Fast. Try Indeed out with a free seventy-five dollar credit at indeed.com/slash/bluewire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com/slash/bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December thirty first. And take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, you're online. Sportsbook experts. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for making it to the second half of the show. So, all right, I want to dig in a little deeper because I really want to dig in some more on what Kirk Cousins did in play action because I really thought it was very, very impressive. Although, again, not exactly a surprise considering what he's done against the Lions in the past. But Kirk Cousins specifically just really does a great job. And there was a play in the first half which really... I thought accentuated what he does and why the Vikings do it so well. He took play action and what the entire line did, the entirety of the offensive line did was it all blocked basically to the left, which allowed, and, and they did a great job of sealing all of that allowed cousins to not only that, but roll out, take a couple of steps on the rollout, hit his receiver basically in stride and it went for a pretty decent gain it was a smart play. It was, frankly, a play that you're not going to get away with if you're playing a team that's any good against play action with any sort of regularity. And that pretty much, if you look at it, is what what Kirk Cousins does. And that play, like I said, to me, really stood out as kind of a great example of how... Kirk Cousins operates and here's the other thing when it comes to Kirk Cousins and play action as good as he is at it and by the way in prior games against the Lions 72.2 percent completion percentage in two thousand in week 7 2019 and 87.5 percent completion percentage in Week 14 of 2019, he wasn't as efficient with play action on Sunday, according to ESPN Stats and Info. He actually only completed 50% of his play action passes, 5 of 10, only went for 84 yards. But he did throw two touchdown passes out of play action. And that is where he absolutely killed the Lions. And at least one of them, Irv Smith, came out of the goal line. I believe the other one came out of the goal line. Already, uh, to, again, I think to Irv Smith. He also was sacked. The Justin, or not sorry, not to Justin Coleman. Desmond Trufant sack also came from a play action play. So the Lions were able to take advantage of that once. But just, I mean, the, he. It just really hurt the Lions in so many different levels because even if they weren't as effective as as effective as they've been against the Lions in the past it just really seemed like they were and sometimes perception is reality even if the stats don't necessarily say that so that's one area where the Lions just really really struggled they also and you know Matthew Stafford had a rough week there there's no doubt about that he was quarantined from his family he had to take make sure he was negative from COVID all week, which, I mean, obviously you have to do anyway, but he couldn't see his family. He was holed up in a hotel. His daughter, Hunter, suffered a concussion. Matthew Stafford, as he explained after the game a little bit and also was on the CBS broadcast before the game even started, actually left the hotel on Friday night after his daughter fell and Kelly Stafford, his wife, couldn't get anybody to watch the other kids while she went to the hospital with Hunter. And Stafford basically was driving home when Kelly found somebody. But Stafford's willing to break protocol, as well he should, because family is more important than a football game, frankly, to make sure that his daughters were okay. I can't even imagine, as somebody who does not have kids, what that was like for him to feel helpless at that moment. You're stuck in a hotel. You're not there. You're, you don't know what's going on with your daughter. Like, that weighs on someone. And you could hear it in Stafford's voice. And I don't know if it was just because they lost another game or just the stress of the week. But you could really hear in Stafford's voice after the game. You could just tell it had been a long week. And maybe I'm reading into it a little bit. But I've covered Matthew Stafford for eight seasons now. And I I just got the sense that he was emotionally drained after this week. It just really, really felt like that. And especially when he talked about his family and talked about how difficult some of this week was and how stressful it was and how he just missed being able to go home and hug his wife and hug his four girls after a practice or after a game. And he didn't even think he'd be able to go home on Sunday night afterwards because he probably would have to stay quarantined he wasn't entirely sure that's hard that that's really rough uh he doesn't have covid he's tested negative over and over again but those are the protocols and that's he understands it he gets it he said all that he he doesn't want to get anybody sick but he's also a dad and he's missing his family and that's hard and you know, to play a football game while you're doing that, sure, it can be a distraction from what's going on within the rest of your life. But you know, you just just got the sense that this was a very very long week for Matthew Stafford and a very trying week. So that's another thing I want to hit on. But uh, getting back into football, I know that was a little bit of a a side thing. I think there are a few things the Lions have to really be concerned about coming out of this game. And yes, I know people are angry at Matt Patricia again, and I know that people want to see him fired. Believe me, I've seen your mentions over and over. I've seen the questions you've already asked for the podcast for later in the week. And I get it. I get where you're coming from, because it's not working 40 games in. It's got to be incredibly frustrating as a fan to see this over and over again and to hear the same things over and over again. But there are things that I wanted to focus on. First is Matt Prater. And I asked Braden Combs about Prater earlier this week because Prater has been off this year. He's missed field goals he usually makes. And he obviously has a new holder. And Don Muehlbach is getting up there in years as a snapper, although it doesn't seem like Don Muehlbach necessarily had a lot of poor snaps. And I look at that, and I was just curious what was going on. And really, Braden basically said this, that most of the field goals that Prater missed before last week were just long field goals, and he struck them well. They just missed. And that happens. even happens to Justin Tucker, who's the best kicker in the NFL. It happens from time to time. Last week, however, he felt that Prater didn't kick the ball particularly well, and it wasn't a good boot on his missed field goal, which was way wide left. And then Prater, on a 46-yarder in the first half on Sunday, basically does the same thing and boots it really wide left. It never looked like he had a shot. And this after they went really back to basics this week when it came to kicking. And you have to wonder what's going on with Prater now. Prater hasn't talked to the media in a while, and I don't necessarily put that on Matt Prater because... Frankly, and he might have talked after Sunday's game. When I'm on the road, you only get the quarterback and the head coach. And based on the videos that I've seen on the website, uh, it doesn't look like Prater's talked. So can't really know what's going on there. But Prater's also never been one to shy away from talking and explaining what's going on. As long as I've covered him, which has been since the 2014 season. He's always been very accountable, so I'm hoping that he talks this week to kind of explain what's going on, because this is very atypical of him. I've seen a couple people suggest that maybe the Lions should look somewhere else, and I wouldn't go that far yet, because Matt Prater's still a very good kicker and a very consistent kicker, but the Lions need to figure out what's going on and remedy that, because they can't have Matt Prater leaving points on the field, and you need to figure out whether that is a Prater thing and you need to kind of get him right or if it's something in the operation. Because remember, this is the first time he's dealing with at least one new piece of the operation from snap to hold to kick, and that is the holder, Jack Fox. Now, Braden Combs, when I asked him, said that the holds haven't been the issue. We'll ask him probably again Tuesday about what happened on that missed field goal. And again, Prater maybe righted himself a little bit with a couple of makes later in the game, but for a guy who's been so automatic throughout so much of his career in Detroit over the last seven or so years, or six or so years, it's pretty jarring to see him missing field goals like this, and it hurts the Lions because it just again shows another area where things are not going well, and Really, when you look at special teams, it's the only area of special teams that have not gone well because when you look at this team so far and you saw it again on Sunday, special teams is frankly the best part of this team right now. It's the only consistent part of this team right now. Jack Fox has largely been one of the better punters in the league. Their coverage units have been good. They are rushing the punter clearly very well over the last couple of weeks as they now have three block punts in two weeks. They're buying into what Braden Combs is selling. And when you see what's going on on the rest of this roster, you can't necessarily say that a lot of other places. So that's one thing. The other thing is the Lions actually gave on Johnson the ball a little bit, and it worked. And I'm just going to throw this out there. They need to give on Johnson the ball a little bit more. Like, you look at the numbers, right? Here are the rushing numbers from Sunday. DeAndre Swift, 13 carries, 64 yards, 4.9 yards per carry. Adrian Peterson, 8 carries, 29 yards, 3.6 yards per carry. Now, not all of that, to be fair, is Adrian Peterson's fault because on the goal line touch they gave him, even though you can argue it was a play maybe doomed to fail from the start, and that's somewhat on bevel, Halapuli Vitae completely missed on a block, which allowed a Vikings defender to get in the backfield, and that was basically the end of that play because Peterson had nowhere to go. Carry on Johnson, four carries, twenty-nine yards, seven point three yards per carry. And Carry on Johnson, I thought looked good when he ran the ball. It wasn't only garbage time runs. He had a couple of carries in the first half, and I thought he looked strong. He looked he looked a lot more like the Carry on Johnson we all saw in 2018. The Carry on Johnson that a lot of people thought might be Detroit's next good running back. Obviously, knee injuries have really hampered him throughout his career, but I thought it was a good sign that the Lions at least got on Johnson some work on Sunday because it's been far too long. The last time he had a carry was in week six against Jacksonville, and they need to figure out a way to get him involved in the game plan more, maybe start running him a little bit more. I don't know if that means taking more carries away from Adrian Peterson, splitting it up a little bit more, but... Clearly, on Johnson has something left to give when it comes to being a rusher, and I don't know why they're going away from him. Of course, it was a good day overall for second-round draft picks of the Lions that are running backs because, as we talked about, Carryon Johnson, 7.3 yards a carry. DeAndre Swift, I thought, looked fairly good. He did have that drop, but he also had three catches for 33 yards. I don't think he played terribly. But Amir Abdullah, remember him? He was the guy who was supposed to be the guy before on Johnson. He had one catch, 22 yards, and he scored a touchdown. It was a big touchdown, too, because it was right before the end of the half. It was kind of a big game changer, a big game turner at that point. And you could tell even, again, just watching it on TV, Amir Abdullah, I thought, was pretty stoked about scoring and getting that rare offensive opportunity and taking it to the house the way he did and it really capped a drive that encapsulated a lot of the Lions issues because it was a two-minute drill situation and Kirk Cousins just took advantage of the dump down they did screens they did dump down passes to Dalvin Cook and to Amir Abdullah they moved right down the field they scored a touchdown even handed the ball off to Dalvin Cook at one point and they scored in a minute four seconds they took it 87 yards, six plays. A lot of that was Dalvin Cook, but obviously was finished off by Amir Abdullah. That touchdown was a big, big game changer because that touchdown made it a 20-10 lead after the Lions cut it to three points after a Marvin Jones score. And then Minnesota was getting the ball after the half. Minnesota then scored the next points with uh, Irv Smith Jr. touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins, which was the second of the day. And all of a sudden, then you're looking at 27-10, and it's a completely different ball game. And the Lions, frankly, at this point, the way they are constructed, both offensively and defensively, they're not built to come back necessarily from big deficits. They're just not. They don't necessarily have the offensive play calling, Because I would say they have the firepower, but without Kenny Galladay, they're missing a massive, massive weapon there. And without Jamal Agnew, frankly, as a returner and as a speed receiver, you're missing him there, too. I don't know if they had enough to really make a big-time comeback. They eventually were down 34-13 after Dalvin Cook had a 70-yard run, where just poor tackling and just it was blocked up well. And at that point, it didn't even matter that TJ Hawkinson scored late from Chase Daniel to make it a two-touchdown game because it, it was over. And all the if the Vikings wanted to, they probably could have added on another touchdown uh, as they were moving down the field and then threw on fourth down because they didn't want to kick a field goal because they were up two possessions with whatever it was, like four, three or four minutes left. Like, so... You basically at that point saw that the Vikings felt like they could really score at will on Detroit whenever they wanted to. And again, that shouldn't be a big surprise to you. Again, two blocked punts, which gave the Lions good field position. But other than that, their drive possessions on Sunday. Touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, punt, touchdown, blocked punt. Punt, touchdown, blocked punt, downs. And on the downs, they pretty much... I mean, they got to the Detroit 10 yard line, and it could have gone. The play calling likely would have been a lot different if they, you know, it wasn't 155 left and they're up two scores. They probably kick the field goal there. They go up 17, and then it's, you know, a completely different situation at that point. But at that point, if you go for it too, you're pinning them so far back needing to score two touchdowns, that you're putting them at a disadvantage versus potentially even scoring. Although, you could argue maybe you kick the field goal there just to kind of salt it away. Either way, none of that sounds good when you're thinking about the Lions' defense. Detroit's defense just is not working at this point. And I don't know the answer to how to solve it. Everson Griffin was supposed to make a difference as a pass rusher. Everson Griffin did deflect a pass. But he had three tackles, and he didn't play a lot early in the game. I'm not really sure why. Romeo Acquara had three tackles and a pass defense. They had two quarterback hits, one from Desmond Trufant and one from Nick Williams. One of maybe Nick Williams' more active games, three tackles, and that quarterback hit. They clearly were missing Trey Flowers, even if it was just in a rotational role. Other than that, I mean, Jamie Collins had nine tackles but was not as aggressive in the path in pass rushing and it just seemed like as a whole they just weren't getting much pressure on Kirk Cousins. Again, some of that had to do with play action, some of that had to do with Dalvin Cook, some of that had to do with, frankly, they only had 20 attempts to really even rush at him. So it was limited there. But you look at it and you say, well, that's not really a great day. I think they missed Tracy Walker as well. Even though Tracy Walker's been up and down this year, you have Will Harris out there at that point and Will Harris just wasn't, you know, he he has never been as good as Tracy Walker. We've established that even when he was playing over Tracy Walker at points, Tracy Walker was still the better player. So, I don't know. I mean, you just look at this defense, and I thought they got run over, and I thought that they were not necessarily prepared well, because you know what Minnesota's going to do, and I think they weren't necessarily coached well on Sunday, and At this point, if you're the Lions' offense and you see the defense struggling like they have been, I think you start, even though they'll never say it, right? It feels like they are pressing a little bit. Maybe that had to do with some of Matthew Stafford's interceptions, although they just were not really good throws either. So, all in all... Thanks for listening to this. Uh, it, it you know If it seems a little bit scattershot, it seems a little bit all over the place, I think it's because at this point you kind of become exasperated and you don't really know what else to say about this team because so much of it is the same week over week over week and really in the Matt Patricia era has been year over year. We're just seeing the same things over and over again. I know I've said that a few times. I thought the Lions did get a couple of good individual efforts. I thought Matt Patricia was correct that Austin Bryant – played well in really some of his first action ever. I'll be curious to see how many snaps he played, but he did have two tackles. He obviously did have a punt block. Romeo Acquara, again, a bright spot this year with the three tackles, a pass defense. He blocked a punt as well, and also it seemed like he was able to get some pressure on Kirk Cousins' On a day where not a lot of Lions players were able to. So I thought both of them were fairly good bright spots when it came to the Lions. And other than that, I mean, on Johnson in a very limited role thought he was pretty decent. Danny Amendola, seven catches for 77 yards. That's not bad on 10 targets. The Lions clearly went to feature him today, which was kind of surprising because I thought maybe they would look a little bit more at Marvin Jones. Even though Marvin Jones had a touchdown, he only had three catches for 43 yards. TJ Hawkinson, five catches for 39 yards, even though he had a touchdown, but that was a touchdown very late. I thought maybe they would be a little bit more active. Although Hawkinson did have eight targets, maybe they would be more targeted in the game the Lions really, for a large majority of the first half, did not really look at Marvin Hall or Quintus Cephas all that much after the Matthew Stafford's first shot play to Hall. Hall had five targets, three catches, 28 yards. Cephas two two targets, two catches, 31 yards. But None of them really seemed all that involved in the offense. It seemed like it was a very heavy Danny Amendola game plan. And I get that Stafford trusts Amendola and the Lions coaches trust Amendola. But Amendola is also not going to be the game breaker that TJ Hawkinson might be, that Marvin Hall has shown to be, that maybe DeAndre Swift even is. Although Swift had five targets, caught three of those balls. And... That, to me, is a little concerning. It seems like whenever Kenny Galladay's out, at Amendola gets a good amount of work for whatever reason in place of a Hawkinson or a Marvin Jones. But one would think that maybe you might see some of those guys become more involved if Matthew Stafford's able to practice this week and maybe they can work on something a little bit more. Of course, it also helps them that they're playing the Washington football team, one of the few teams in the league that look week to week worse than Detroit and they're having major quarterback issues at the moment because it seems like maybe Alex Smith yes that Alex Smith might be starting on Sunday we'll see what happens there they've already had Dwayne Haskins start they've had Kyle Allen start and they've you know now are going potentially to Alex Smith who's a great story by the way but this is a Washington team that lost to the Giants, the 2-7 New York Giants, 23-20. Washington's 2-6. and So this will not be an exciting game on Sunday as far as records go, but it'll be one worth watching. And uh, Old Lion J.D. McKissick, by the way, returning to Detroit on Sunday as he is one of the many running backs that the Lions use – or, sorry, that Washington uses, and he should have a pretty big role – Against the Lions, obviously they cut Adrian Peterson. Washington did, which opened things up for Antonio Gibson and for J.D. McKissick to have bigger roles. We'll get into all that later in the week, but disappointing loss for the Lions. Probably a frustrating loss for the Lions. Thirty-four to twenty to Minnesota. Thank you all for listening. As always, thank you to my sponsors, Bet Online and Indeed. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. You can follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And with that, we will talk with you tomorrow.